Hello and welcome to The Forge. My name is James and this is the place where I teach verse by verse through the Bible. I am a retired U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant who went on to serve the Lord's Church as an assistant pastor, worship leader, and youth pastor. During my time in these roles, I finished seminary and I hold a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies and a Master of Divinity. I've been involved in ministry in some form for over 25 years, and it is my hope that this podcast will be a blessing to you as I teach from God's Word, the Bible. Forge exists to serve those whom the Holy Spirit is calling into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is done through biblical teaching so that individuals understand God's forgiveness, live in its reality, and overcome the wounds caused by bondage to sin. I will always hold to the truth found in scriptures, and a summary of my doctrinal statement is worded perfectly in the five solas of the Reformation. I believe Christians experience gratefulness and renewed purpose as they are encouraged by the words of life, which spring from the Bible. I pray that this podcast plays a role in God's ongoing work in your life. Don't forget to look in the show notes for links to the podcast website where you can leave a donation or leave a voice message with questions. I will be collecting questions for a future Q&A podcast. Also, please leave a review on whatever platform you are using. That and telling others about this podcast are the two biggest things you can do for me. Now grab your Bible and get ready for a verse-by-verse study. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. Welcome back to another episode of The Forge. We are continuing to move through Genesis and nearing the end, not only of the book of Genesis, but the end of Israel's life. Jacob, also known as Israel, will die at the ripe old age of 147. The previous chapter dealt with Israel's blessings to Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh. And now we move forward with Genesis 49, and the remaining brothers are blessed by Israel. Notice that Israel's blessing is written in poetic form, and it is the longest poem in the book of Genesis. Now remember that this is Hebrew poetry and has repeated themes, not rhyme or rhythm in the same manner that we might hear in English. Although all the brothers are mentioned, there is a special emphasis on Judah and Joseph, Judah being the fourth son. And of course, we all know all about Joseph. Ten of the 25 verses of this poem are dedicated to these two men. And once again, we will find the gospel of Jesus Christ in the book of Genesis. So now let us pause our minds as we read the words of the one true living God, Genesis 49. 
And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, you shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion and as a lion who shall rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Binding his donkey to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall adjoin Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey lying between two burdens. He saw that rest was good and that the land was pleasant. He bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider shall fall backward. I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. Gad, a troop shall tramp upon him, but he shall triumph at last. Bread from Asher shall be rich, and he shall yield royal dainties. Naphtali is a deer let loose, he uses beautiful words. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong. By the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your Father, who will help you, and by the Almighty, who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of your Father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers.
Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them. He blessed each one according to his own blessing. And he charged them and said to them, I am gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite as a possession for a burial place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is there were purchased from the sons of Heth. And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. As I stated in the short introduction to this episode, chapter 49 contains the blessings for the remainder of Joseph's brothers. So what I'm going to do here is take each son of Israel, summarize their lives, the blessings and the prophecies given by their father, and offer my comments throughout. And we will begin with Reuben, the first son of Leah, the firstborn. Often the firstborn looking for the approval of their father, uh, they can be a big disappointment. And as Jacob begins, it sounds like he's about to brag and boast about his firstborn son, perhaps for a second or two. And Reuben might even think his father has forgotten about the past. Reuben had started out as the strength of his father, but he later proves to be unstable And here comes the sting of Jacob's words. Of course, Reuben had slept with his father's concubine. And here at Jacob's death, as I told you about when it happened, Jacob will remember, and he remembers it here. Pay close attention to the tense and the use of the third person by the end of Jacob's curse upon Reuben. At first, Jacob addresses Reuben directly. And he says, you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. But now notice that there's a switch to the third person toward the end. He says, he went up to my couch. This would make any son feel awful. (laughs) But we can't say that we're surprised by it. This theme, as I just mentioned, it has not left Reuben since the first time that we read about it in Scripture. Jacob's prophecy for Reuben came true. There was never a leader of any kind born to the tribe of Reuben for the nation of Israel as a whole. There was no prophet, no judge, no king. No one of significance comes from the tribe of Reuben. In fact, this tribe is characterized throughout Scripture as the tribe that was lacking in leadership and lacking in resolve. In Numbers chapter 16, verse 1, 
Reuben exercises some leadership concerning spiritual rebellion, but this is the only place that we read of it. Up next are Simeon and Levi. These two appear to be banded together somewhat, and they also appear to be a couple of hotheads. Simeon's descendants were scattered among the other nations, and they were given an inheritance of the children of Judah, according to Joshua 19. Simeonites left Israel to join Judah in 2 Chronicles 15.9. And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but at that point in Israel's history, it becomes a divided kingdom. And so Levi's descendants were given land, land. So remember, we're dealing with Simeon and we're dealing with Levi. They've been kind of, as I said, lumped together. But um, you'll notice that Levi's descendants are given land in the cities of the other tribes, but they are never given land of their own. And Moses was a descendant of Levi, and the Levites became the priests of the nation. And God chose to use, you know, I believe that God chose to use their zeal uh, in a manner that would be of service to God and to the people in coming before God and leading the people in worship and also going through all of the rituals that we have in the Levitical law to basically atone in a temporary fashion for the sins of the people. And had these two brothers, two tribes, Simeon and Levi, had they truly been allowed to band together, it's quite possible that they would have been way too destructive even among their own people. And so we see that neither of these tribes had any land of their own once they did enter into uh, the promised land. So now we come to son number four, Judah. And here the prophecy changes. He is told that his brothers will praise him. His hand will be at the neck of his enemies. And now he is told that his father's sons will bow down to him, not Joseph. And you'll remember that Joseph had the dream of the brothers bowing down to him. But now, as Jacob prophesies, he says it's going to be Judah that all of your other sons are going to bow down to. Judah is actually called a lion's cub. And we all know the lion is the so-called king of the beasts. You may remember if you've ever read any of the chronicles of Narnia, Aslan the lion, who clearly is um, a picture of God and the um, fantasy that was put together by C.S. Lewis. So, but remember that Judah had impregnated Tamar, who was his own daughter-in-law, though she was a widow. She was still his daughter-in-law, and he did this while thinking that she was a Canaanite prostitute. So why does it seem that Judah gets a true blessing while the others were getting curses? 
They've all had their sins, but Judah's no different. He's had his as well. Well, I want to take you back to Genesis 38, 26, and it's a short phrase. Genesis 38, verse 26, but I think it speaks volumes, and this is what he says. He says of Tamar, she has been more righteous than I. And I believe this shows us a humbled soul. He realized at this point that he had made a real mess of things. God had taken his wife and two out of three of his sons, which came from that ungodly union. And he ends up taking Tamar, Judah does, as his own wife. And I believe his character was changed by God. And I say this based only on this small phrase 11 chapters ago, but I also base it on the behavior that we see when he pleads his case before Joseph when he did not know it was Joseph, but thought it was this evil ruler of Egypt. So over time, other leaders would come from the other tribes, but 640 years after the death of Jacob, King David takes the throne. And David is from Judah, the tribe of Judah. And from that day until now, the king of Israel is from Judah. The scepter has never left Judah. Just as King David conquered his enemies, Jesus has conquered all, and the last enemy is death. And in the words of Kanye West, Jesus is king. <laughs> Verses 10 through 12 are very clearly messianic, and I would call your attention to the very last words of verse 10. The word is people, and it means all those of us who are not Jews. It means the Gentile nation, Gentile nations. In other words, to King Jesus will be the obedience of not only the children of Israel, but the entire world. He has purchased his people from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. Jesus is king. And the last thing he said before he ascended into heaven, what did he say? He said, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go now and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he promised, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. See, this is spoken from our King, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. As we consider verses 10 through 12, Judah is told that one coming from him will be a picture of strength and of power. So imagine this prospect. <laughs> He's being told there's going to be a Messiah. And he's going to save his people from their sins. But I want you to look at what it says here. And I'm going to read <clears throat> another quote from someone named Derek Kinder. Derek, I'm sorry, 
Kidner, K-I-D-N-E-R. And this is what he says. Such a prospect, an altogether lovely Messiah, vines used as a hitching post, wine as wash water. What dizzying, evocative imagery. In its own material terms, it bids adieu to the pinched regime of thorns and sweat for the shout of them that triumph, the song of them that feast. Jesus announced the age to come and just this imagery in his first sign at Cana of Galilee. What the commentator Kidner is referring to here is Jesus' first miracle as recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Jesus was a member of the tribe of Judah, as we've already stated. And what did he do in that first miracle? He turns water into wine. Those who were at this wedding feast had uh, and learned what had happened knew they were in the presence of the Messiah based upon Jacob's prophetic words over his son Judah. And with the sign of abundant wine, Jesus' disciples believed him. The Bible actually states in John chapter 2 that this first sign of Jesus' signs manifested his glory. And there's so much more we could say about Judah, but I want to keep moving on. If you have any questions about that, feel free to comment and leave me a question or a voicemail, and I will be glad to explain more. Not much has been written in Genesis concerning Zebulun and Issachar until now. Zebulun descendants settled up toward the sea in Joshua chapter 19, verse 11, fulfilling this prophecy from Jacob. Issachar appears to be strong, but lazy. Historically, this tribe had rich lands and crops, but raiders would come in and Issachar eventually traded liberty for the relative comfort of slavery. And that, in my opinion, sounds a lot like the Western world today. We've given up our liberty because we think we are safe as slaves. Dan is the tribe from where Samson came. The viper that is mentioned here is believed by Jewish commentators from uh, the medieval time period that the viper was Samson who used trickery to defeat the Philistines. And this could be the case, but it's also likely that it's a reference to the serpent, um, that it could be indicating the Danites or those from the tribe of Dan would be the ones who introduced idolatry into Israel. Indeed, they were. It was the tribe of Dan that brought in false worship to other gods. Either way, Jacob, Jacob's uh, exclamation while prophesying over Dan, what did he say? He said, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. And that would certainly make sense, whether it's a reference to Samson or where, whether it is a reference to uh, false worship being introduced into Israel. So this is the first mention of salvation in the Bible, and it's here. Here we are almost at the end of Genesis, 
and we're still finding first things because Genesis is the book of firsts. Next are the sons Gad and Asher and Naphtali. The tribe of Gad were fierce fighters and they would repel the attack of their enemies in Israel's future. It could be said of the tribe of Asher that they enjoyed the good life, so to speak, but they never fully took the region given to them north of Mount Carmel. All the way to Tyre and Zidon, Naphtali would be a tribe of good words. It is possible that Naphtali was some kind of a poet or a songwriter and that songs came from that tribe. Deborah and Barak sing a victory song in Judges 5 verses 1 through 31 and they are from this tribe, Naphtali. So these are also fierce warriors. In fact, they would have, could have been uh, the very first warrior poets. And of course, we cannot overlook Joseph. No other brother except Judah received as uh, such a great blessing from Jacob. And many of these promises that are prophesied here to Joseph were fulfilled in the sons Ephraim and Manasseh. Joshua, Deborah, and Samuel were from uh, Ephraim. Uh, Gideon and Jephthah were from Manasseh. It is interesting to note Jeroboam, an Ephraimite, led the rebellion which led to the divided kingdom. The northern kingdom was called both Ephraim and Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. Judah and Joseph, through Ephraim and Manasseh, became the two dominant divisions of Israel. So whenever we do get to that divided kingdom, the northern kingdom is called Ephraim, and the southern kingdom is called Judah. Benjamin, the son of my right hand, he gets the last blessing. It is with a promise and a warning. The tribe of Benjamin was strong and victorious in battle. They could also be cruel. And we can see both attributes in Judges chapter 20, where this tribe almost lost its identity. The first king of Israel was Saul, and he came from the tribe of Benjamin. And as we near the end of this chapter, I want to refocus our attention on verse 28. It says, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them. He blessed each one according to his own blessing. Think about this. Some of what Jacob had to say had no blessing in it at all. It was a curse. However, we can still call these blessings because there's a broader blessing for all of Adam's descendants in view here. You see, the judgments passed upon certain sons actually open the door of blessings through the tribes which came from the other sons. Jacob's blessings were, in fact, the foundation for the blessings that we enjoy as Christians. In other words, each tribe had a part to play, and from this nation would come the only Savior of the world, 
So even in his cursing, there is a blessing for the broader scope. Verses 29 through 33 bring us to the end of chapter 49. There's a phrase here, gathered unto his people. Not only does this refer to being buried where his people and his wife Leah are buried, but it also refers to the waiting beyond the grave. He would wait with his father Isaac for the Messiah and the resurrection day. Dear listener, the book of Genesis is about blessing and grace through the lion of the tribe of Judah, which you have heard me mention several times, not only in this episode, but throughout our study in Genesis. Through this lion of the tribe of Judah, blessing and grace has come to you. As Christians, we have been blessed indeed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But perhaps you're listening to this podcast and you do not know Christ. You're not a Christian. You have no idea what it is like to have the blessing of fellowship with the one true living God. Your goals in your life hold no true meaning. You find that you are living just to die. You can gain for yourself all the material wealth you can imagine. And then what? But according to everything we have studied here, God's word promises blessing and grace for all those who call upon him in the name of his only son, Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit calling you. Is he calling you into a relationship with God? This dear friend is good news. Repent today and believe the gospel. Amen. again for listening to the forge podcast and don't forget to leave a review with comments let me hear from you leave a voice message through the link i hope and pray that you find ways to apply the truths of god's word in daily living remember dear christian you are forgiven it is by grace that you've been saved through faith may you grow in christ in the study of the bible and truly overcome wounds that were caused by sinful choices and actions of the past. I also pray that you are always reforming, seeking to glorify God in all that you say and do. Remember to be grateful to God for what he is working out, not only in you, but in all his creation as well. And lastly, be encouraged. Encouraged to serve God and others as you grow in him. 